Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So is there an opportunity to create South by Southwest, but really South by Midwest? Tony Katz, good to be with you. Indiana, more opportunities to build, more opportunities to grow. Gary Dick joins us inside indianabusiness.com on Twitter at IIB. And that's the move. The Indiana Economic Development Corp, uh, Elevate Ventures, working on this idea to attract innovators and entrepreneurs to Indianapolis. Of course, you've got uh, Gary Vaynerchuk bringing VCon here. Going to be a big uh, conference about that. I think it's in May that that's happening. But is this purposeful in saying, hey, we think we can create our own South by Southwest world, or is this different? Yeah, I, I think that's a good word. It's purposeful, uh, Tony. Uh, and as you mentioned, the event is called Rally. It's scheduled for August 29th through the 31st at the Indiana Convention Center downtown. And the goal this year in the first year is to have 5,000 innovators and entrepreneurs not only from around uh, the country, but around the globe to come to Indianapolis for this event. And you, and you mentioned uh, the purposeful. If you think back last year, the Indiana Economic Development Corporation held its first ever global summit, which attracted uh, folks from all over the globe to Indianapolis to kind of expose them to Indiana, that kind of thing. I think it's part of a broader storytelling, if you will, uh, process. Uh, Christopher Day, the CEO of Elevate Ventures, believes uh, very passionately that Indianapolis and more broadly Indiana can be this center for innovation and entrepreneurship. A big part of the uh, the issue is just telling that story, exposing what's here uh, to folks around the globe, and that's a big part of what this uh, this conference is about. Including, you know, to give you an idea, you mentioned South by Southwest. That's the ultimate goal. They want to create something on that scale here in Indianapolis. And one of the attractors for this first event is a pitch competition. And the uh, the prize money five million dollars, so uh, a big number, uh, uh, hoping to attract a number of folks here. You know, it seems to me, and and I don't know the guys at Elevate Ventures, but this is something that I would absolutely put my my mind behind and 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 my my skill set behind because I, I, these things are important. It isn't, in in my view, the idea that you have to prove it. It's the idea that you have to go do it. The, the 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 way you become the capital of the Midwest, as I've often argued Indianapolis should be and Indiana should be, is just doing the things, beating uh, the other people to the punch who dream of doing things. The difference is the actual doing. It seems that for all the issues that I often talk about, there is there are people who are actually involved in the doing because this seems to be while it's with the Indiana Economic Development Corp they're not looking for permission they're they're staking a claim it's a very different approach to something it's not so much hey can we get the buy in from 20 different groups but rather we're going to do this and everybody's going to buy in once it's done yeah that's true but then back to that whole storytelling thing you know in Indiana I think the Midwest in general uh, you know, has this uh, kind of, uh, you know, humble humbleness uh, about it, doesn't brag much on what uh, uh, what it does or what it can do. <clears throat> and I think Indiana has been or has it, it's been a really detractor for Indiana is that folks outside of Indiana, maybe a lot of folks inside Indiana, too, don't realize, don't understand what's here. You look at the colleges and universities that are here, both public and private. Um, I, I, I mean, world class without question, the innovation coming out 
of places like Notre Dame and Purdue and IU, and you can go on down the list, uh, is substantial. But if, if, if people don't understand it, and we're seeing, uh, interestingly enough, more and more focus away from the coasts, away from Silicon Valley and some of these other high-cost uh, areas, looking at places like the Midwest. So I think from a timing perspective, uh, potentially uh, the time is right for an event like this. Talking to Gary Dick, InsideIndianaBusiness.com, on Twitter at IIB. What I like uh, about this, Gary, is that it's, it's, it's planting your flag. Yeah, this is, this is who we are. You got a problem? Yeah. I like a little bit of swagger. I, I, I don't yeah. think you have to lose all your Midwest roots. I'm not in favor of that. Um, but there is swagger uh, to be had. And I think that swagger is, is very, very important when we talk about the state and building out the state. Uh, you spoke uh, with people about what we saw from Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Signature yep. Bank and others. Uh, you spoke with Mike Hicks, director of the Center for Business and Economic Research at Ball State University. And his argument is that Hoosiers should not expect to see a big ripple effect in Indiana. Is that based on specifically what Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank had done, or is that based on a look at the banking sector as a whole? I think the banking sector as a whole uh, is is his perspective, and that uh, ultimately the the industry, which continues to be you know face a lot of questions, a lot of uncertainty, to be sure. Uh, where you just look at the markets and we see what's happening uh, in the banking sector, but it's it's his opinion that places like Indiana here in the Midwest should not see a big impact. One of the interesting things I thought uh, he talked, my kicks talked about is this whole notion that are, you know, are we going to see the, the, uh, the flight of capital from, from, from smaller regional banks into these, you know, creating these big, you know, four or five mega banks. Uh, and he doesn't see that happening. He, he does not see the regional banks uh, the first merchants in Lake City, and you can go on down the list of regional banks that have a big presence here in Indiana and the Midwest uh, going away. And I think that will be one of the interesting elements as we look at this banking situation, the structure of the banking community, what it ultimately becomes. Before I let you go, uh, Gary Dick, um, are you out in the second round, Purdue out in the first round? Just yeah. give us in round numbers how much money you lost in, in, in your placing your bets. <laughs> On the end, uh, is is it five zeros, six zeros, or seven zeros? Tell us, tell us, tell us. No, far, far less than that. I, I, uh, uh, I, I, I will put a wager uh, down from time to time. I didn't do it this time, Tony. So my, uh, so I can sit with these losses that uh, that may hurt uh, for uh, basketball fans in the state. I'm not going to hurt my wallet. Uh, my bottom line uh, this time around. Probably so that GoFundMe for Gary Dick, not legit, everybody. Not legit. Don't give to it. That's right. InsideIndianaBusiness.com, Gary Dick. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. My gosh, what happened in the NCAA? What happened to Purdue? What happened to IU? There are collapses, and then there's this. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. You win some, you lose some. That's the expression. That's what they say. But IU won one and Purdue won none. And I don't think that even that expression fits where the Indiana basketball fan is, whether it's the Boilermakers or whether it's the Hoosiers. You're left asking, what the hell was that season even for? Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us from 93.5107.5. Uh, the fan, he is the voice of sports in Indiana. Uh, we're going to start with IU. 
and that loss last night, which uh, I consider to be um, embarrassing, to say uh, the, the the very least, this was a team that was clearly not ready to play. This was a team that forgot how to play. Mike Woodson, at least uh, to his credit, as I heard it, wasn't trying to make excuses for the failure. I think Mike Woodson, who is the coach of the future, just realized exactly how far he really has to go with this program. No, there's no doubt about it. There was a, a really an embarrassment cloud other than IU and Kent State on Friday surrounding the teams that most of you listening audience roots for here in and around Indiana. I mean, it was that bad. Purdue and FDU, obviously. And then, you know, when you're talking about what IU did last night, and um, they they just got outworked. They got out, out-hustled, out-muscled, out-competed. And that's disappointing. If you just take a whipping because somebody is shooting a three or somebody is getting hotter at that moment, they're just better than you. That's one thing. But the way that they got worked on the glass on both ends and the way that they got outworked overall in that game, and really, Tony, other than the start of the second half when IU took that lead, that was about it. I mean, they got completely dominated by Miami, and that was an incredibly disappointing way to end a season and also an incredibly disappointing way to end a career for a guy that I wanted to see him not have to fight criticism, and obviously he's not going to fight it. I bring it up this way. But Trace Jackson Davis has had a great career at IU. And then now everybody is going to bring up, well, look, he never made it to a Sweet 16. Look at the the lack of positives he had in this NCAA tournament. I wanted to see him get to the Sweet 16, so that would not be an argument. And unfortunately, that is going to be, I bet, an argument. Unfortunate, again, as it is, people will bring that up. Yeah, we're talking about the fact that two things happened. First, I didn't give that score. 85-69, to 69, Miami, which was the five seed, over IU, which was the four seed. And secondly, you bring up uh, Trace Jackson Davis. You, you, you bring up uh, criticisms about him. You tell me, have there been real criticisms that have dogged him his entire career? Is this a guy who's not ready uh, for the NBA? Is there not a future for him? Or does a loss like this just limit where those opportunities are going into a draft class. Well, Tony, I mean, the NBA plays a much different game than what he is suited for right now. Do I think there's a spot in the NBA for him? Yes, because he's athletic. He is talented. He can uh, get to both ends, do some things both offensively and defensively. The one thing he cannot do, which you have to do now as a big to be successful in the NBA, is be able to face up and shoot a jump shot and shoot a three. That's something – we have never seen. But, yeah, he has been tagged over his four years many different times as non-competitive, as soft. And this is coming from the softest of the soft, by the way, too. I mean, anybody out there that loves that at him um, is sitting on the couch, you know, eating candy and smoking cigarettes and doing nothing. I mean, the softest of the soft say that. But he just deserves better for what he has done. And this was all around him the lack of guard play. I mean, Jalen hood, Shafino, who has had a nice big 10 freshman of the year season really struggled until the final couple of minutes when he scored like three consecutive threes and nine points. And Trey Galloway didn't give him anything Tamar Bates off the bench was an absolute disaster. Had an offer in Albany over the weekend too. So again, he just did not get enough help. And now 
you know, Mike Woodson's going to be left, Tony, diving into the transfer portal here because he's gone. Race Thompson's gone. Miller Cobb's gone. More than likely, Jalen Hood-Shafino is going to be gone because somebody's going to take a flyer in the first round of the NBA draft on that big guard. So it is going to be an interesting offseason of trying to rebuild on the fly for Mike Woods and the company. Talking to you, JMV from 93.5107.5, uh, the fan. Uh, he is the voice of sports in Indiana. I now want to move it over to Purdue. You are a guy who speaks to Matt Painter, coach of the Boilermakers, on the regular. And I know what I'm going to say might be upsetting or you might consider insulting. And I swear to you, I prepared for this. I did I did uh, three push-ups and a burpee. I am totally <laughs> set to go for this conversation. Um I'm putting forth to you, JMV, that going out in the first round, as Purdue did, as the number one seed against number 16, fairly ridiculous, as the people of New Jersey would call the school, fairly Dickinson, Matt Painter can't close. Winning the Big Ten, being a number one team, all great, all good, all wonderful, being out in the first round is what people remember. This isn't the first early exit for this team anyway. Matt Painter can't close, true or false? Well, he's struggling doing it in the past three times. I mean, and really, you look at this one was the most embarrassing. And Tony, not only the most embarrassing, but the most embarrassing in NCAA tournament history. St. Peter's a year ago, that was in the Sweet 16. And then you go back to North Texas the year prior to that, which was an embarrassment. They were a free throw away from going to the Final Four maybe four years ago. But, yeah, I think what we find out with Matt Painter and what he has and certainly what we saw, Tony, in that loss to FDU was was guard play. And Purdue looked so slow and methodical, which normally they are. Um, that's the way they looked. And Fairleigh Dickinson got up and down the floor and got into them. Fairleigh Dickinson didn't guard anybody on the perimeter. Purdue didn't have anybody to knock down a three. When you turn the ball over 16 times and you're in the neighborhood of having more turnovers than your percentage three-point shooting-wise, which was 19, anybody's going to beat you. Fairly Dickinson, the Tony Katz All-Stars, it doesn't matter. You're going to get beat when you have numbers like that in an NCAA tournament. And it has been familiar. There's no doubt about it. Now, to me, People that suggest that Matt Painter needs to be fired, those are just really stupid people. But does he need to change up some some things on how he addresses this tournament? No doubt. Because he's got it down, Tony. The Big Ten Conference season, even the Big Ten tournament, he's got that down. But you've got to get into this tournament now because that has been your issue and find new means in which you can raise it. And that's at the guard position. That's getting quicker. That's getting faster. Across the board, you have to change some of your thought process with that NCAA tournament in mind. Yes. I want to challenge you. You called the people who are calling for Matt Painter's firing. Those are the dumb people. Those are the stupid people. You just agreed with me that Matt Painter can't close. Why all of a sudden is saying replace the guy a bad idea? Because he wins. He wins, and they're not going to get anybody better. He's one of the best coaches in the NCAA, and they're not going to find anybody better. Oh, yeah, there's a, they grow on trees. No, they don't. People that go to Purdue and want to stay at Purdue and done and has been successful at his level in winning, they don't grow on trees. 
And people that think it's that easy are stupid. People that think that it's that easy, well, you got this great class coming in, and you know this job would be so attractive right now, baloney. You got 10 guys on this team that would go 10 different ways if you ended up firing Matt Painter. Or if he went someplace else, they wouldn't get there. They wouldn't stay there. He is the best for Purdue. It's just up to him. I mean, you do have to reevaluate certainly your process going into the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's anything more than that. Does he deserve criticism? Absolutely. But to the point where you fire a guy that has been so incredibly successful, come on. I mean, I, I know we live in this world where everybody's got to shake their fist and be angry after everything. But that's just stupid, and that's exactly how I challenge people to say that. His name is JMV. Catch him <laughs> over there at 93.5107.5 The Fan. It's like me talking politics, people. That's how, that's how JMV brings it. Comes for the crush right there. Good to talk to you, man. JMV, really do appreciate JMV taking the time. Um... I, I think that his take is 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 accurate, right? Because when he's talking about you don't get rid of the guy, it, it, it reminded me of the same way as I would engage things politically. Just having that background, having that understanding of how the how the systems work, right? There's just a way these things happen, and and that's that's it. Boom, bop, bip, and done. I uh, I, I got to tell you that I'm not as gung ho as him. Because I don't believe that the fan base should let Matt Painter off the hook so easily. I'm not even sure Purdue should let him off the hook so easily. And I got to say it again. I have absolutely zero against Matt Painter. It's clear that he can win. I think that JMV makes a really compelling argument. These guys don't just fall off trees. You can't just find guys who can win, get teams to number one, get teams to win the Big Ten Championship. These things are good things, and we should you know, celebrate them. Certainly Boilermaker fans should be celebrating them. But when you get kicked out in the first round and when you see a trend in the NCAA, which is the thing by which the recruiting... Really? I mean, if, if you want to play top tier, that's the place you got to advance. Those guys want showcase and everything else. Certainly the opportunity to win championships, and you're not delivering there. I don't know how this isn't okay. We got to at least have an eye out there. That's my argument. I think that's a better argument. We need to have an eye about what's going on all around us and ask ourselves if there is an opportunity. I think that's what happens when you don't advance. I think that's what happens when you don't push. Do I think that that Mike Woodson has this issue right now? No. No, I don't. Not at all. Not at all. Ask me in three years. No, no, no. Woodson gets uh, some opportunities. And I think Woodson is still going to be able to uh, build and people are going to see excitement and energy there. I think that people are still going to want to go to Purdue. I think there's an opportunity there. But you can't not advance. If you can't, all the pop and all the circumstances and the number one and this and that and top seed, can't, you can't go out like that. You can't have three of them and you can't then think that everything's fine. It's not. My only argument, maybe more than uh, Painter's got to go because that's not my argument. All is not fine in West Lafayette. They got to make everything fine. They got to figure out a way or they got to make changes. I think that's a better way to put it. Is Trump going to be indicted? That's the question. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, he has got 
Uh, the answer, and let's be clear, there's no indictment yet. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today. This is so incredibly disturbing. Do you think there's a coincidence that as soon as James Comer comes out and exposes those bank records, that suddenly Trump is going to be indicted? I mean, you're just talking about this soft approach from Joe Biden to China. We're constantly asking why? Why not protect America? Is it a coincidence now that Trump is going to get indicted on Tuesday after these bank records were revealed last week? Well, I don't really uh, believe much in coincidences. And so I do think that they're, um, you know, I, I think that it's important what uh, Congressman Comer is doing. And it's, it's a way for the American people to really find out what's happening. Um, and, you know, I hope that that effort continues. I think that it will. So we learn that the Biden family has been making a lot of money from China. And then we get the leak that Donald Trump is going to get indicted for hush money payments to Stormy Daniels, which isn't, well, a, a crime. Guys, good to be with you. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, an absolute pleasure. Let me bring in William Jacobson right here. Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Sir, let, let, let's start with you. I wanted you to hear that from the former DNI, uh, James Ratcliffe, uh, there uh, talking with Maria Bartiromo on, on Fox Business. Start from the beginning and don't be afraid to go as deep or non-deep into the weeds as you need to. What is the allegation here? What is the crime that the Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, is saying Donald Trump committed here? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Tony. Uh, with regard to whether this is a coincidence, the timing, um, I don't believe in coincidences either, but I think this is a coincidence because what Bragg has been doing in Manhattan has been going on for weeks and months. And the Tuesday date for indictment and arrest does not appear to be a real date. Uh, Donald Trump put that on Truth Social over the weekend, and then his lawyers have walked it back. So I think what's happening to Donald Trump is really independent of what is happening to Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is a very serious matter. So the crime here <clears throat> is allegedly falsifying business records. There is nothing illegal about paying somebody to be quiet. It happens dozens or hundreds of times a day throughout this country when lawsuits are settled. Part of that lawsuit settlement is a confidentiality agreement and often a non-disparagement agreement. So there's nothing unusual or illegal about that. What the uh, allegation is, is that the way Trump recorded it is that he falsified his business records to purport to have some sort of legitimate business reason for it. That is normally not something that's going to be prosecuted. Maybe the IRS could contest whether it's a legitimate business expense or whatever, but people don't generally get prosecuted for that. Certainly, Hillary Clinton hasn't been prosecuted for anything similar to that. <clears throat> but that is the alleged crime. But that's a misdemeanor. It's a low-level misdemeanor, not really prosecuted in New York. But if you want to get Donald Trump, which is what Alvin Bragg wants to do, Let's make no mistake right. about that. You got to turn it into something bigger, particularly when it's a payment that took place six years ago. And so, so uh, uh, he's uh, alleging that it was a felony under New York law because there is a section that if the falsification of business records is done with the intent and for the purpose of violating some other federal law, 
then it becomes a felony. So here, if I understand it right, sir, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, LegalInsurrection.com, it should have been categorized in column X. It got categorized in column Y. It's a hush money payment to Stormy Daniels because she's claiming there was an affair. Trump says it never happened. What you and I believe completely inconsequential. But what the DA wants to do is say that hush money payment of $130,000, that actually was paying somebody to influence an election, a violation of New York election law. So therefore, ha we can go after it as a felony. And, and alleged violation of federal election law. But of course, the feds have looked at this and chosen not to prosecute it. So that's what's completely absurd about it, is the people who you would normally expect to prosecute a federal election law violation are, have chosen, have passed on it, have looked at it and said there's no violation here, or at least they said there's no prosecutable violation. So Alvin Bragg is going through this legal stretch, and it's a legal stretch which has been severely criticized by just about everybody. If you, the New York Times, certainly no friend to Donald Trump, even the way they describe this legal theory is that it's novel, it's unusual, it's not widely accepted. And so this is really by all appearances. And we don't, and I want to emphasize, we don't know what's actually going to happen. We don't think he's being arrested tomorrow, contrary to his post on Truth Social. Right. But, but if it happens and if all they have is this hush money payment and falsification of business records, then that is really a, a legal stretch to put it nicely. And it has all the appearances of a political prosecution. Now, now this was a legal insurrection the other day. Trump says, I'm going to be arrested Tuesday by Manhattan District Attorney. And then he stated the far away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arraigned on Tuesday of next week. Protest. Take our nation back. Now, this then got um, a bit of contradiction, as you're, you're discussing, where it turns out they're going to be hearing from more, uh, quote unquote, uh, witnesses today as part of that grand jury. And nobody's actually expecting something to come on Tuesday. So in, in the concept of this being a leak, was this a leak by Trump or was there actually a leak from the Alvin Bragg camp, the D.A. of Manhattan? And what did that leak say to lead us to this moment? Yeah, well, the, the New York Times two weeks ago reported that they were moving in the direction of an indictment. Uh, the Fox News and I think other outlets reported last week that there were discuss security discussions taking place as to how it would be handled if there were in an indictment and arrest. But as far as I know, Trump is the only one to have picked Tuesday as the day this was going to happen. It appears to not have been accurate, at least according to what his lawyers are saying. They have no information about that. Uh, we won't know till tomorrow whether it happens. But, uh, you know, trying to get in the mind of Donald Trump is always very difficult. But the way I see this is this is his attempt to put to create a media firestorm, which he's great at doing, uh, even though he's off Twitter, he can still do it. Yes. And, and to get pressure on the DA's office not to go that last step. So, whether that will work, but that's how I read it. This is Trump's attempt to for stay any sort of actual prosecution. Let's talk about this idea of of pressure. Let's talk about this idea that we heard over the weekend that Trump is trying to intimidate uh, the district attorney, a district attorney we should note who spends his time taking felonies and turning them into misdemeanors. And now he wants to take a misdemeanor and turn it into a felony. 
But is there any argument that can be made from that post on Truth Social that did get shared everywhere that Trump is trying to intimidate the district attorney's office from that? Can you make that from that? Let's call it a tweet. Yeah, well, I wouldn't use the word intimidate. I would use the word pressure. And there's nothing wrong with the public relations pressure campaign to not be prosecuted as long as you do it lawfully. You know, he did not say go attack the DA. He did not say break their windows. He did not say anything like that. So I I don't think there's anything wrong with a defendant essentially going public with what's happening to them and urging people to object to their prosecution. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you do it in a way that doesn't cross a legal line. And and I think that will be interesting. Now, you know, they may claim it's a dog whistle to people or whatever, but nothing in Trump's post itself was a call for violence or a call for anything other than constitutionally protected protest. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And the question for us, sir, is what comes next? Let's say there is an actual indictment. Of course, the dream of the mainstream media is a cuffed, former president donald trump having to do uh the perp walk there into into some police station could that actually happen and then once this case gets in front of a judge you talk to multiple people you engage multiple conversations i think andy mccarthy over at national review has engaged this quite a few others i i'm not sure where you're at on it does this case actually hold does a judge actually listen to this case or is this thrown out based on its total lack of merit Well, we're going to have to see, first of all, what's in the indictment. And I caution people that we only know what's been either leaked or uh, said by the Trump team. Uh, And if there's nothing more than has been leaked or said by the Trump team, then it certainly does seem extremely weak. It may be amenable, uh, given the novel legal theory, to being thrown out. But let's wait and see. And I caution people about that. There may be evidence we don't know about. There may be things that were done that we don't know about that will be part of an indictment. There may be charges that we don't know about. So we're going based on what we think we know. Uh, So it will be very interesting when the indictment comes out. But let's face it, this would not be happening if it were not Donald Trump. Right. Alvin Bragg wants to get Donald Trump. Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, ran her campaign on a platform of not only getting Trump, but getting his family too. This is a complete perversion of the prosecutorial power. It's disgusting. Um, If Trump committed a crime, then he's as prosecutable as anybody else. But by all appearances, these are prosecutors who are going over someone's life with a fine tooth comb trying to find a crime. And that's not what our system is supposed to be about. You're not supposed to take a political opponent and pour through their lives, as Tish Tish James has been doing in New York, trying to find something on them. That's an abuse of power. And we've seen that uh, in New York State in multiple jurisdictions. And, the, and, and, and as you talked about the idea of finding a crime, it's, it's Beria who ran the Stalin uh, secret police. Show me the man and I'll show you the crime, meaning something can be found on anyone. And that's one of the reasons why I think you see response so quickly, not knowing what could be in an indictment or if an indictment could come. Just the concept on the one thing that we know about is this is not something that anybody prosecutes. And we see so many times, sir, uh, the conversation of uh, pros- prosecutorial 
discretion. I think that's what they call it. Where prosecutors can decide, we prosecute this, but we don't prosecute that. It's how left-leaning prosecutors say, we don't go after drug crimes, or we don't go after people who steal from CVS, and all these kinds of things. And now you're going to have a DA that does this. So take it for a moment, as you you spend some time in both parts of of the world, out of the courtroom and into the court of public opinion. This is, seems to me to be an absolute loser for the political left. This is a mistake to want to go down this road of, but I don't hear anybody on the political left saying, we don't need this in order to still have Trump as our boogeyman thinking of it politically. Have you heard anybody saying who, who understands the law, guys, you don't want to be involved in this. This looks really, really bad for you. Uh, no, but I do have to admit I don't necessarily follow the the lefty pundits as closely as I should. So maybe they're saying you're probably that. doing it right. But, uh, you know what you I mean? Know, you're probably better you know, off because of it. Yeah, right. It helps me keep my sanity, True. or at least what's left of it. Uh, so I don't know, but I don't think anybody can really predict how this will play out. You could make an argument that this will help Trump, that it will cause Republicans to rally around him. Certainly, Trump supporters are trying to use this bizarrely against Ron DeSantis, who has nothing to do with it. Uh, So this is being played by Trump supporters and uh, will be played by Trump as a political benefit to him. But I think that's not the that's not necessarily going to be true because it's a long time between now and November 2024. And it's even a long time between now and the Republican primaries. You don't know what else is going to come out. You don't know how among the voters who are not Trump devotees. Maybe they're sympathetic to Trump. Maybe they would vote for him. Do they really want to go through the drama again for another 18 months of uh, indictments? Then there may be multiple indictments. They're looking into the Mar-a-Lago raid and whether they lied about the documents, uh, whether Trump lied about the documents. They're looking into that Atlanta thing. So I, I think in the short run, you will see a rallying effect. But by the time we get to next fall and we're in Republican primaries and then, of course, a general election, there may just be public fatigue. So I think the way that the the Democrats look at it, my take is they want to run against Trump. They view him as most defeatable because no Republican candidate will turn out the vote for Democrats. But then you get Trump. But then you get the whole thing of if he's the most, if he's the guy they want to run against, why would you try and do something that prevents him from running? So these two things seem to sometimes be in conflict. It's another conversation, sir, yeah. for, for another day. A William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I appreciate you taking the time. Much more to get to. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. In the end... Do I think that Trump has done anything that is a felony here in this Stormy Daniels hush money case? Oh, gosh, no. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. When when people started talking about Stormy Daniels in the days of Michael Avenatti, remember that lowlife scumbag? who CNN said, ooh, I could see you running for president. Brian Seltzer was like, hmm, yes, you're very intelligent. This fraud of a human being who's trying to screw people, including Stormy Daniels, out of millions of dollars, who tried to uh, blackmail Nike, a despicable lowlife. Never forget that Brian Stelter was all about Michael Avenatti. I said, I don't understand what this case is about. Let's say Trump had sex with Stormy Daniels. And by the way, that's what I think happened. 
He can tell me no all he wants. He can say it didn't happen all he wants. Sure. What else do I expect the, uh, the former president to say? I think it happened. What does that part matter? That's the part for us gossiping over a cup of coffee like, like a couple of schoolgirls. And I'm going to get yelled at for saying schoolgirls, but I don't care. The question is, is it a crime to pay somebody to be quiet? And the answer is no. And anybody who thinks just based on the conversation we're having, on this one particular subject, because I think William Jacobson is right. We don't know what could be in an indictment if an indictment is coming. So it's kind of hard to talk about it if you don't know what's in it and presuppose the thing. What we do know is this one conversation. It's a misdemeanor. We know this. To try and make it a felony is to say, yeah, the rule of law is kind of in my way. That's the reality. That is what Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, is saying. It's a misdemeanor because it should have come from column A and it came from column B. The money came from this account, it should have come from that account, or it should have been recorded this way and not that way. It's a misdemeanor. To try and make it a felony is to try and say, and because of that, you were trying to subvert New York election laws. That's how he's trying to make it a felony. That is never going to pass muster with the people. Doesn't matter what what the leftists cheer about and Rob Reiner has, you know, himself uh, sexual fantasies about. What matters is it ain't going to fly. And this is abusive. And I stick by. Uh, some Democrat has to come out and say, dude, what are we doing? Guys, guys, what are we doing? If no one's willing to say that, they don't believe in the rule of law. And you better believe that people will go out there and protest. Now, what does protest look like? Everything else. I, uh, you want to protest, go right ahead. I'm not into riots. But the idea that people shouldn't be disgusted by this, if you're on the political left and you're not disgusted by this, my God, man, look in a mirror. You're the problem. I didn't think that was even tough to figure out. That seemed pretty easy to me. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. I'm Tony Katz. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.